gentlemen, welcome aboard the Athletics Can't Wait Jets podcast, your nonstop shop for all things Jets. Now here are your hosts, Tim McMaster and Connor Hughes. Listen safely. Can't wait! This episode of Can't Wait presented by BetMGM, the exclusive betting partner of The Athletic, now available in New York. You don't have to take the sub, the train to Hoboken or Jersey City to place your bets anymore. Do it right in New York. Place your first bet of $10 on any football game with BetMGM. There's only one left. And win $200 regardless of the outcome of your bet. Just sign up using the bonus code ATHLETICNY. Tim McMaster here along with Connor Hughes and Marissa Morris. Connor joining us from his hotel room in beautiful Mobile, Alabama. He's covering the Senior Bowl workouts down there. He swears he is not playing golf. You decide. I haven't had a will... chance. <laughs> He's been honestly, too busy working hard. Yeah, that's not that's not like a that's not the uh, by choice. I mean, I wanted to. I, I I scouted out the courses. I actually have a golf outfit here. Like I, I fully plan on playing around of golf. It just it, the Jets gave us. Um, extra access throughout the course of the week because their coaching staff was coaching it. So we were all like all the beat writers were here. So we got extra access. And unfortunately, when they scheduled all their extra access, it was like three thirty. So my whole yeah. little uh, workation, I wasn't able to turn into that. I was I play, you know, have the player access, go watch practice, and maybe I can get ninety eighteen holes in. And uh, no, that didn't happen. So unfortunately, yeah, you've been I've been working all this. I mean, that kind of stinks, doesn't it? Connor Hughes, working man. You have a so rough life, tough. Connor. It's tough. <laughs> I know. It's tough. We're going to talk about the Senior Bowl. We're going to talk about Makat Becton and Robert Salah's comments this week down there in Mobile. We're also going to talk about the changes in the quarterback room, some people out, some people uh, moving on up there as well. So a lot to get to. Um, but Connor, I got to start here because, you know, you're down in Mobile. There's all these prospects, draft prospects. I'm sure you've spent some time talking to Dane Brugler down there. And now yeah, suddenly got his number five, you man. feel like Dane and you I are scout. Buddies now. Yeah. And you feel like oh, yeah. you're a scout now, right? Oh, I'm done. The, yeah, here's the Dane. thing though. Yeah. Dane doesn't base his scouting reports on style of face mask. I think you well, have a should. ways to go. <laughs> he should. No, I told, I, I was texting him yesterday. So I, I, find, I usually like slack Dane. So finally I was like, why the hell am I keep slacking? Give me your number. So we were texting and I'm like, really was sorry on. for Dane now that yeah, Dane, Dane. Oh, yeah. Connor has yeah. Dane's number. Welcome. Hey bud. Welcome. Yeah. What's this guy no, I was like, dude, I was like, I'm going to be honest with you. I said, I said the same thing to Joe, though. I told this to Joe Douglas when I saw him. I walked up. I was like, I'm going to be honest with you, man. I was like, and I, I said same thing to Dane, said the same thing to Joe, and I saw Rex Hogan as well, so the same thing to them. I was like, I'm just going to be honest with you guys, man. I've, I've got this uh, I've got this scouting thing down. I've got it. I really I really don't think it's that hard. I think you guys are overcomplicating this. And Joe looked at me. He's like, what? I was like, yeah. I was like, I'm telling you. I, I, got it, I got it. I figured it out. I was like, you guys all have, like, you're like uh, – your systems, right? Like your, your, some guys go with numbers, like a, an 8.0 grade and a scouting thing. And then he's looking at this, you're looking at that. Okay. Where does this player rank within uh, his position group? of everything? I was like, throw all of that shit out, take that and throw it out. This is how the Connor system works. Cause that's, what this is, this is my own scouting thing. This is the Connor system. You find the player and you look at him and I'll give you a perfect example. It was, it was this kid on the, on the, on the team that the jets were coaching this center. Didn't even need to know his name. Don't need to know his name. He's going to be the center for me. Oh, actually, I do have a fucking Ross, freaking roster around here somewhere. Um, you have to find it. Like, I'm, I'm a disaster. And, right now, I'll be and the rule guys. when we talk about prospects, which we've been doing on my other podcast this week, is position and school. So uh, our audience can get to learn these prospects. So You don't need, need to know this kid's position in school. I'm walking <laughs> off the field to go because the Jets made Sal available on, uh, I think it was Tuesday. And um, 
Wednesday, I'm sorry. Uh, for, yeah, Tuesday. Tuesday. Was Tuesday the first practice? Yeah, because I flew on Monday. Tuesday. So Tuesday's first practice, walking off the field, and I see this offensive lineman and individual drills. Everyone's going to be like, oh, I know he's about to talk about – he's about to talk about Trevor Penning, right? Like that's what he's going to – not talking about Trevor Penning. Trevor Penning that didn't get a good grade. We will talk about game. Trevor Penning though. We will, that. but he's not. He's not on my draft board. <laughs> and uh, this kid though is this big chubby guy, big belly, number sixty nine, nothing on his sleeves, and the one bar down his face mask. The freaking one bar, like you know, like the old cage, like you used to see, like when I played football in little school, like we all used to fight, or middle school, like we used to fight over who got that face mask. The freaking full cage and the one bar going down the middle. His name I is Cole like, Strange, and he is from Chattanooga, Connor. Chattanooga. Hell yeah. That guy That guy got a perfect first-round grade. I told Joe that. He goes, did you see him block? I was like, didn't need to. <laughs> Saw everything I needed to see. He started cracking. I was like, the other guy, the kid uh, from North Dakota State, Christian Watson. I remember his name because I was tweeting about him. 6'5", yeah, 208, just a big dude. Dane told me he runs fast, so that's a that definitely is is crosses off the Connor. And he's got aside from a sick ass arm sleeve of tattoos, he's got a cool face mask, and he's got like on his uh, legs like the straps that go around like the single straps. He's a second round grade on the Connor chart though, because there's no visor. So if he, he is if not he, a second he, round grade on the Brugler chart, I believe I, I tried to find him. He's not in any mocks at this point. Well, he will be. It will be will optics be. in the second round. I, I would, I would, he, if he had a visor, if he had like a dark tinted visor, maybe an amber visor, you're talking about a guy that's probably, I would say, mid first round pick, but not having that kind of makes me question his decision and, and, you know, kind of drop him down. So, so yeah, there's, there's now, I've always told people, like, I, I actually wrote it in, in my story today. Like, I, I tell you guys, I'm not, I'm not a scout. I'm, I'm not, no, well, now I am. I decided that after being at uh, the senior bowl and seeing two practices, including one in torrential rain, I've decided that I am a scout now. And the uh, the Connor system is is bulletproof. So you guys just watch that that center. He's going to go on to be a a nine time Pro Bowler. And and Watson, I, I don't know if he'll be make that many Pro Bowlers because he doesn't have a visor, but he'll he'll be a good player. He'll be in this league a long time. So you know, I know everyone reads Dane and they subscribe for Dane. And there's you know the beast and all that stuff. There's going to be the uh, the animal that comes out from Connor, and it's just going to rank all these players based on uh, what they look like. So I've I've already told Dane I'm coming for his job. Uh, I told Joe I'm probably, you know, after I kind of take off here with the Connor system, I'm probably going to go for his job too. So uh, everyone can kind of look out because, you know, there's a new scout in town. <sighs> All right. I, I don't know. Some serious stuff. Like now I'm alert and awake. So like now we're, now we can go. Cause I was a little worried when okay, I first logged on here. Cause I was dragging and now I'm, now I'm awake and I'm good. And, and you know, maybe the coffee just immediately hit, but like, we're good now. Like, like positive Connor. No, we're scouting now. We're scouting Connor. Scouting right Connor. Scouting All right. Connor. Let's, he's ready. Let's talk. Let's talk about Penning. Um, you mentioned him, and you know D- Dane had him ranked as his number one prospect at the Senior Bowl heading into to Senior Bowl week. Obviously, a lot of players aren't at the Senior Bowl. Anybody who's not a senior and others as well. But he had Penning as his number one guy to watch. Uh, Northern Iowa offensive tackle played different positions throughout the week, but from the videos you see on social media, the thing that stood out the most to me, Connor, about Trevor Penning. He just doesn't seem like a very nice person. He just when he steps on the field, this guy has a mean streak. Oh, he's a nasty sob between the lines. I yeah. mean, that's like that's and you know it's funny. Like when you when you think about Joe Douglas and and you want to you know draw up like his perfect prospect. I really believe it's this kid. Like I, I really I really genuinely believe that this is like Joe Douglas's perfect prospect, right? Because he wants and loves nasty 
mother effing offensive linemen, like just just mean SOBs, like I said. And you watch any of these clips from this kid, like the, the professional clips now that have come out from the Senior Bowl, you see it. Like whether it's literally just taking defenders and one-on-one drills and throwing them to the ground. I mean, that's brute strength, that's physical ability, and to just throw them to the ground. And then after he throws them to the ground, to have that moxie to, like, not, like, get in their face and, like, throw your finger in there and, like, kind of be an asshole, but just to, like, stand over them and loom over them. Like, letting them know, like, you just got it and you're going to keep getting it. Like, he does not say just standing over them and looming at him. And, like, when the the defensive lineman gets up and starts talking shit and, like, goes over to him, it's just turning around, just standing around, just staring at him. Like, just just a mean mean person and like there were other times i was watching him because he stood out the i first popped like the reason he first popped on me because again like i said uniform i mean we're it's it's definitely knocking him on the connor chart so i immediately kind of crossed him off but i did see during the practices joe sitting behind the well, other offensive lineman repped in and he's standing there with him and you see obviously because i mean the dude's big he's like six seven or something like that so you see him and you see joe with him so i'm like oh that's the only offensive lineman Joe's spending extra time with. Now I'm kind of curious what this guy's going to do. So I started watching him. First rep I see from him, he blocks a kid and just freaking drives him into the ground. And I'm like, holy crap, now I'm interested. Like, now now I'm intrigued. Like, let's keep, like, wow, now we're, like, watching offensive linemen as, like, almost like to see what the guy does. A couple reps later, same exact thing. This time he kind of, like, pushes the lineman to the ground, but then gets his body on top of him and just drives him down, then gets up, gives him one last little nudge. I mean – the physicality, the athleticism, the size, that nastiness. I mean, that is all what the Jets want. You know what I mean? Like they like Becton, they like Fant, they like Moses, they do like um, they love Elijah Vera Tucker, but like what they really want is nastiness on that offensive line. Like they really want to add nasty. And you see the way that he plays, it's like, wow, that's it. Like that is that is what the Jets want. Then you add in his versatility. I've heard of like guards that can play center, right? And I've heard there are, you know tackles that can play guard because sometimes you know they're undersized tackles and maybe they'll play tackle here at the senior bowl but nfl executives look at them and they're like you know what he's probably more of a guard at the next level let's see how he looks there every time i looked up at this kid penny i'm not kidding you when i say he was playing something else like i was sitting there watching him like move around and at one point i kept thinking there were two kids because he's at, he's from a small school so i like i kept looking at him thinking there was northern another kid yeah like an, another kid from northern iowa because at one point I'm like, okay, there he is at right guard. I'm like, all right, there he is. I was like, wait a minute. Now it's right tackle. I'm like, that's okay. Maybe he wasn't playing right guard. Then the next thing I think he's, he's at left tackle. Then he goes from left tackle to left guard. The only thing he didn't play was center. He literally played left tackle, left guard, right guard, right tackle. To, and it's like to the point where I thought it was a different player on the field until you see, oh, no, 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 that's still number 70. So like the Jets, I mean, what does Joe tell us all the time? It's like versatility, versatility, versatility. This kid has that to the nth degree with his ability to play all over the line except for center. Then you add in his actual play style, and then you add in his ability, and you have a guy that is, in my opinion, like I said, Joe Douglas's creative player. Now, the only concern or – it's not a concern or a criticism that I would have with him. It's just my question, I would say, is like, okay, yeah, he's you know, a player that the Jets are certainly going to be interested in, but when is, when is the team going to be interested in him now? Like, when do you pick him? Because – Based off people that I've talked to down here and based off my own sourcing, because you know, after that day, like I, I talked to people about him and I don't think he's he's definitely not in the running at number four. Like that's that's just not the case. He it's I would be based off what I've heard, very, very, very surprised if he's in play at number 10. I think the way that he performed here in Mobile, 
and I'm sure he'll have an even better pro day and things like that. And depending on how he runs and like his bench press and his, and his, I mean, look, if he runs, you know, I don't think he'll run something in the fours. I got to do more sourcing and scouting on that one. But uh, if he runs something in the low fives at the NFL combine, I genuinely do believe that like, there's no way he's getting to the second round. Like right now you could say like, okay, I think he's an option for the jets at like that 35th pick. I don't think based off what I've heard and what people project him to do at his pro day in the combine, I don't think he's going to be available in the second round. So if you're the Jets, do you then look to trade back into the first round like they did to go get Elijah Vera Tucker last year? Like you look to package all those picks that they have, go up into the teens, maybe the 20s if he's still there, maybe like 14, 15-ish to get him. Do you look to go at number 10 and trade back a few selections? Now, the issue with trading back is that you do run the risk of like, okay, if I trade back five picks, he could go one before it. So usually when you trade up, you're trading up to a spot to say, okay, we're now comfortable with him being here. We want to pick him here. This is where he is. Let's go up and get him. So I tend to think that it would more be the Jets trading up to get him than it would be the Jets trading back to get him. But he is absolutely someone that I would uh, – th- there were several players down here in Mobile that I would I would keep an eye on because I think that they were very close to, to Jets prospects and, and guys I think the Jets would be very interested in. Yeah, Dane's last mock, he had Penning going number 17 to the Chargers. So that's yeah. exactly what you're just saying, you know, in yeah. the middle of that first round. And and after this week, maybe he does move up a little from there, too, on people's on people's big boards. Um, you mentioned other players. Let's talk about tight ends, because there's a couple of there that that both, depending on where the Jets want to go and depending on what they do in free agency, could make sense. One is Trey McBride uh, out of Colorado State. He's like a borderline top of the second round type guy one of the earliest ones is going to go and then the other one jeremy ruckert um he's kind of a little bit lower at this point is from what i've seen it's more like late second round maybe early third um what did you see from those two tight ends um a lot i i think that they they were they were obviously very 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 good i mean there were plays i, I watched mcbride i think ruckert stood out a little bit more to me just because when i was really watching him the first day um he made several catches that were just like kind of impressive because I wanted to see him run routes. I wanted to see the way that he caught the ball because he really didn't catch. I mean, it wasn't his fault. It's the, what the system that Ohio state runs, you know, it was what was like 26 catches, 300 yards and a, and a uh, four touchdowns last year or something like that. But Ohio state just doesn't use the tight end of the passing game. So that's why his numbers, you know, hurt. But everyone that I talked to down there and everything I read going into this week was like, no, just keep an eye on him. Like, like he, like the guy can play. It's not indicative of his numbers. And, when we talked to Ron Middleton, who is serving as the Jets head coach for this week, um, we pulled him aside and and you know I talked to him about it. And immediately when I said, I was like, you know, Ruckert's a guy that that I know a lot of scouts and coaches seem to love. And his eyes, I mean, his eyebrows, he was like went like this to the point where I thought his eyebrows were gonna like go off the top of his head. Like he was like, uh, yeah, like we like that guy a lot. And like he spoke glowingly about him. He did speak glowingly about McBride, but with Ruckert, I remember there was a route that he ran on Tuesday. It was in one-on-one drills or something like that where he, like, sprinted off the line forward. Then he initiated contact, like, where he engaged his body with the linebacker, I think, that was trying to cover him, linebacker or safety. He's a big SOB. So, like, I mean, that's kind of a, a, a lot of man to be running at you. And he engages with him. And then he's, like, so basically he can't – the defender now can't read him. Like, the defender can't read which directions he's going to go. He gives him that little left and then immediately broke right. And he created like three yards of separation, easy completion, burst up the field. So that guy is a, obviously he's, you know, technique, every coach will tell you that, you know, his technique can improve. And that's everything I heard. Oh, his technique can improve, technique can improve. 
He's a very good blocker right now. He's only going to get better in the NFL. Uh, uh, Middleton told us how much he loves contact. Like that's like his thing. Like the guy just loves contact, whether it's in blocking or whether it's after he catches the ball. I mean, he's a, he loves contact and he's a, he's a guy who's going to get better in blocking, but his skill set is there to catch. Like they're going to have to work on his route tree. The jets are, if they were to draft him, they're going to have to fine tune his route, his route tree, but he can run routes. He just needs to learn what routes to run and his hands are good. And he's got speed to accelerate and separate and all that stuff. McBride, I think is more of a polished player from what I've heard down here is that he's more of the polished prospect when it comes to, to receiving his big thing is just blocking. And so whenever I see a tight, honest, I'll be honest, anytime I see a tight end in college that has like the big reception, the big yardage number, I always immediately think of like Jason Morrow and be like, man, is this just going to be a guy that is a, a, a basically a, a slow receiver that just dominated in college because he was, you know, faster than all the the linebackers, but bigger than all the corners. And, and when he gets to the NFL and suddenly the corners are a lot stronger and the linebackers are a lot faster, he's just going to fall off, you know, and the one thing that, that Middleton did tell us is that, you know, again, it's technique. He can improve in technique everywhere. But with him, he said he is a willing blocker. And, and when you're when you're looking for tight ends, that's what you want to hear on the scouting report. You just want to hear willing blocker, because when it comes to blocking, so much of it is technique. I mean, I'm sure Michael can talk about that. Like, obviously, when you're on the offensive line level, it's a completely different story. But as a tight end, you just want willing, because if you're willing to block as a tight end, you can learn to block as a tight end, at least get to that competent good level. And then if you're there, you're going to be you're going to be more than enough for an offense. And watching these two guys, it would not surprise me in the slightest if one of them ends up on the Jets. And and the direction that I end up thinking the Jets are going to go here because they realize that they they played all of last season without an NFL caliber tight end. Like they, they played all of last season, whether it was Croft, Yoboa when he checked in towards the end of the year, Ryan Griffin. They traded Chris Herndon, rolled with the guys that they had, and and they realized very quickly that they did not have a starting tight end on the roster. Like they were playing with tight ends, but it was a detriment. And I wrote this several times last year that anytime one of those guys ran a pass route, you were basically on the field down man. Like you were down a man. That, that's really what this was. But then you keep him in the block and he couldn't do that either. So adding a tight end is a significant big priority for Joe Douglas. He realizes it. The Jets are going to add a tight end this year. In my opinion, I think it's going to go after this week. I think it's going to be you're going to sign one in free agency and you're going to draft one. I, I genuinely do believe it's going to be the double whammy there with tight end. And I know everyone's going to be like, oh, my God, Ruckert and Schultz, Ruckert and Schultz or McBride and Schultz. That's going to be the best pairing in the world. If Schultz is there he's going to be the Jets guy. I mean, they are going to, I, I genuinely believe they're going to pursue him. He will be the very first phone call they make. Based off the conversations I've had down here and the sourcing I've done down here, a lot of people have serious doubts that he's going to hit free agency. What I heard is that the, the Cowboys fully plan on either franchise tagging him or it's extending him before free agency. In fact, this year, I think you're probably going to see more players because the financial situation of the NFL is now more understood. You're going to see a lot more players getting extended before free agency and a lot more players getting tagged before free agency compared to last year. And unfortunately for the Jets and, and anyone else looking for a tight end, I don't. I think that Schultz is probably, from what I heard, and this just this isn't my opinion. Uh, from what I heard, Schultz is probably getting that tag. He's either going to get tagged or resigned. And he's not going to be there in free agency. Now, I don't think that's the worst thing for the Jets because now I just you can see okay, you draft one and you pair one because the one thing is draft this free agent class will have is a lot of those low risk, potentially high reward players, you know, guys that just didn't work out with their, for their respective teams for whatever reason, you know, David Njoku in Cleveland, OJ Howard with Tampa Bay, Evan Ingram with the Giants who had a hell of a year a few years ago, Daniel Jones's rookie year, and then just kind of fell off. You can sign one of those guys on a one-year flyer, pair him with Ruckert, pair him with McBride, and suddenly you got not just one tight end, you got 
two tight ends with some serious upside. One you're developing, one you're trying to jumpstart their career. And, you know, maybe the pairing the Jets could go with would be Evan Ingram, who like, you know, see if the new scenery kind of helps him, see if the new coaching staff kind of helps him. You get his athleticism and speed and ability to stretch the field. I know he struggled with drops, but that's all concentration. You add him to this roster and then you pair him with Rucker to develop behind him. And you got a nice little one-two punch there. So I, I genuinely believe that the direction you're going to go is you're going to see the Jets sign one in free agency and then and then add one here in the draft. And I do I, if they add one in the draft, it's going to be a guy that was here. All right, one more thing from the Senior Bowl before we move on to some other Jets content, and and that is just in general the quarterback position. Uh, everybody knew heading into this draft season, right, that this was not a heavy quarterback draft as far as top of the draft. There's quarterbacks to be had. Um, you know, there's first rounders, but second half of the first round, second round, third round, and and that kind of thing. And this week, the two guys being featured down there, Kenny Pickett from from Pitt, who had a huge season for Pitt, um, looks like a you know typical kind of pocket passer, but he's athletic too. And then uh, Malik Willis, the kid from Liberty, they don't play quite the schedule, although. I witnessed him against Syracuse this year, which is not good competition, but but he can do a lot of different things. Um, it's super athletic. Um, but when you saw them, Connor, can you tell the difference, you know, between these guys and a year ago when we had all those the five quarterbacks go mm -hmm. in the top fifteen? No. And and I'll be honest with you guys, like like I said, I'm not aside from the new Connor system, which is in development trademark though. I, I so Kenny Pickett needs a better system. face mask. Before yeah, yeah, in. he does. Okay. Oh, yeah, 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 he does. And and there's there's some work we got to do there. Um, and, and the Connor system with quarterbacks, you got to be like really big. Like you got to be like six five, six six. There's He's no, got some good no. hair. He's got he some good hair. See, that's a detriment to me. I think. I, really. I, can't have, I cannot. I cannot have. I cannot have a quarterback, which is why Justin Herbert's probably not going to the second round until the Connor system. Like, I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, look. I don't know because like I can't have a guy spending that much time with his hair. Like I can't, and it's, that's not like, that's not like a hair thing. It's just like, you can be watching film, you can be lifting, you can be throwing. And instead we're like Josh McCown, Sam Darnold, like those guys spent like an hour talking about hair products when they first got together. Like, I yeah, can't, but that's, be in the that's totally different. Their hair is like position. Like, I feel like the long hair is like, you don't really have to do much nope. to it. Nope. My quarterbacks need to be bald. I don't know. I, <laughs> have you ever, have you ever had long hair, Connor? Yeah. We're not going to talk about it. Oh. We're gonna talk about it. Like I said, right. the Connor system is based on past experience. You've seen the picture, Marissa. You've seen the prom, the prom. Oh picture yes, the Connor prom picture. We need to, yeah. we need to dig that back out for sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so like I, the the way that I can like compare this, and again, like like NFL teams can't fucking freaking evaluate quarterbacks, let alone like me. Like like that's that's the wild thing. Is like no one knows when it comes to quarterbacks, but. I will say that that the Senior Bowl, the last one I went to, which was when Herbert was there, uh, Jalen Hurts was there, Jordan Love was there. That was the last one I was there. And, and Love was obviously a, a significant draft pick. Herbert obviously is a star. And then Jalen Hurts has had some success. Um, I remember watching those guys go through. And Love, I don't, to this day, like years, like years later, I don't remember anything about Love, right? Like I remember watching him go through drills, but I remember him standing out one way or another. Hurts, I remember watching him play. And being like, yeah, he he's he was good from like five to ten yards, but every time they tried to make him like play quarterback, extend it, like the ball's hung in the air, the zip wasn't there. He really had to hitch and throw, where the other guys just like released the ball and it went. You could tell he was a ridiculous athlete, checked all the boxes, you know, from a, from a personality standpoint and a leadership standpoint. But the throwing of the football thing was not overly impressive. When it came to Herbert, though, I remember just watching him play catch to start. 
and then watching him in individual drills and then watching him even go through the different drills that the coaches were running, like, you know, run over the five bags that were laid down and then throw a pass. And the only way that I can describe him, I'm not going to go into like, oh, how his arm angles looked and like all the specifics that Dane can give you and, and these people that don't use the Connor system can give you. But what I saw looking at him was different. Like this guy just looked different. And I don't mean different from just Hertz and, and Jordan Love and everyone else, every other quarterback that was down there in, in Mobile at the time, because he was very different from them. But he was different than any quarterback I'd seen even with the Jets. And I know that's a very low bar. But like he was like watching him was like, OK, you could have you could have taken all their numbers off. You could have just taken somebody that doesn't that knows football, but doesn't know anything about the NFL and put them there and said, watch this practice and tell me who's the top five pick. Like, tell me who's tell me who's the top five pick or projected to go top five. And every single one of them would be like him because he stood taller. He looked the part. The ball just flew out of his hand. I mean, he looked different. These quarterbacks I saw. I couldn't differentiate the Cincinnati kid from Pickett from strong. Like it was like some of them looked different. Some of them did different things, but even just watching them drop back in their footwork, like it didn't look right. Like none of them looked overly accurate. None of them looked like that. There was like, there were moments where they made nice throws, but for me, I was looking at it like, Oh, like, like I, I, like I, I, I came away after the two practices and not one of them did. I was like, Oh, I want to see him again. Like Zach Wilson, his, first practice as a rookie minicamp I wrote that I thought looked better than any of these guys like like any of them and you know I, I I wrote this in today's notebook just off of kind of what I've heard at the senior bowl and things like that but the Jets should be and Jet fans should be thanking counting you know counting their blessings and and thanking whatever God they believe in or if they don't believe in God whatever they do believe in you know like just to thank 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 yourselves thank the Jets for drafting Zach Wilson last year. And I don't mean that in terms of Zach Wilson's going to turn into anything because I don't know. The Jets don't know. I mean, that rookie season wasn't great, period. And there's a chance he pans out. There's a chance he does not pan out. But I'll tell you what, if the Jets made the decision not to draft Zach Wilson last year and they traded the number two pick, because that's what they were doing at number two. They were either going to draft Zach Wilson or they were going to trade the pick for a bounty. If they said, let's roll it back with Sam Darnold and a new coaching staff and see what we can't do. And let's reset this thing with Sam Darnold and trade that pick. And they were going into now this year realizing, holy shit, Sam Darnold sucks. We now need a new quarterback. I don't know what you're doing, because if you're forced to draft one of these quarterbacks, like I had a couple scouts and stuff compare this to like the Christian Ponder, Jake Locker year. Like I heard them comparing it to that draft class, like where that draft class was like historically bad with quarterbacks. Like that's what I've heard these guys like, like that's what I've heard about this draft. If you were forced to draft, like pick one of those quarterbacks. I don't know how you do that. You're basically now either running it back with Sam again, or what you're going to have to do is trade all of those picks that you just got for dealing number two to Seattle for an aging Russell Wilson. And it's like, damn, man. Like, like again, you don't know how Zach's going to pan out, but the decision to draft a quarterback last year, not trade that pick, 100% the right call. 100% the right call. And 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 Jet fans, honestly, when, when you – Maybe I'm wrong. I mean, I've certainly been wrong a lot before. You know, I, the, the Connor system only hits on like a 99.98% rate. But I would say that like these guys, oof, I, I watching them, no one stood out. Hearing about them, no one stood out. If you're in the market for a quarterback this year, it's like you're just hoping that something clicks later down the road. Like, I mean, and, and 
like I said, we'll see what happens with Zach. But that that trading that pick was was not from what I've seen now. That was not the call to make, and and good for Joe Douglas for not making it. Speaking real quick before we take a short break, speaking of the Connor system, how does mm-hmm. the Zach Wilson headband fit into the Connor system? Would that have been positive oh, no, that's or up negative? There. No, no, oh, that's, that's good. Yeah, that's swag. Okay. Yeah, that's up there. The Zach Wilson well, system. Yeah, the, Zach, Zach, look, Zach was where Zach went last year on based on the Connor system. He's he's a he's a no doubt a first round pick on the Connor system. I mean, he's got the 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 tight arm sleeves like Sam wore those names. He's got the tight arm sleeves, the number one, the visor. The thing sticking out the end. I mean, he's a a a, a glove on his left hand from being like a, a a Madden creative player. I mean, he's got the uniform down pat. He's got to learn now to play quarterback. Like the accuracy, he's got to get better. The not throwing interceptions, got to get better. The pocket presence, learning how to step up and and when when you feel pressure, where to go, left or right. Like he's got to get better with all that shit. But from a unit, oh, he's yeah, he he, he passed the test of the Connor grade absolutely. And like then like the Connor grade isn't also all about uniform. Like it's not all it's. That's a major part of this, but he's also like the, there also has to be style points with it and watching Zach's pro day where he can roll left and just fling and go, Oh, that's a hundred percent. He was a first round. He got a first round grade in the Connor system. hundred percent, hundred percent. So I'm having a little bit of an issue with the Connor system because I think you have to be, you know, you have to stick to what you're, what what you do for the past few years. Right. So I I pulled some receipts here. Let's go back to (laughs) January 21st, 2020. Now, you did hit with Justin Herbert. I know nothing about evaluating college quarterbacks, but Oregon QB Justin Herbert has, oh, quote, no. first round hair. Well, see, so, the thing is, I, so, I don't know how you can knock Kenny Pickett's hair when back in January because, 2020, you were easy. calling Justin Herbert first round hair. And oh, it's, it's basically the same hair. It is great hair. Like, that's the thing is okay. you're misinterpreting well, it. Like I'm just saying you this. have to stick to the system if you're oh, going to have a system. But see, but I wasn't grading him as a quarterback. I was just looking at his hair. If you want to, Marissa, if you want to do a, a hair power rankings, we can. And I'll, I'll, I'll rank the power rankings. And if you want to just go on hair, Kenny Pickett's hair is up there. Like that is, that is absolutely, we're just looking yes, at hair. You said here, quote, I know nothing about evaluating college quarterbacks. Yeah, that, and that's I think that was probably like the first day of the season. All yes. I can say is that, look, I mean, that, that was a long time ago. I mean, that was a very, very long time ago. I mean, we all change and uh-huh. evolve. And, like, you know, when scouting football is different now than it was 20 years ago, and the Connor system is different now than it was exactly a year ago. So, mm-hmm. like, I mean, it's just you kind of have to grow and evolve and learn these different things. And, and yeah, now that I'm now that I'm taking, uh, taking a much more serious effort into evaluating quarterbacks and all, yeah, the hair is a problem. Damn it, this is a tough one, man. I feel like I feel like this is like the 16 presidential election right now. This is this, this is like old say. takes exposed right there, yeah. Connor. Yeah. Right on go, your I, I can't wait to now. just go down your Instagram the rest of the day. This was all I could pull super quick. Tim was ready to go to break. I said, do not go Don't to break. Don't go to break. Yeah. Yeah. Marissa's gonna find a tweet from like 2011. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was really looking for the prom hair, and then I stumbled upon that. That's all I think that's all on Facebook. I don't think it's on like my old Instagram, no. I think. I do All have right, the, we're gonna, the penguin we're, saved somewhere. We're going <laughs> to let uh, Connor get himself back together here with a short break. We'll be back with more on the Jets. We're going to talk about the quarterback room and Makai Becton, what the future holds for the big man after this. All right, let's move away from Mobile, Alabama and get right into the Jets stuff, um, including the quarterback room. Some changes this week, Connor, senior offensive assistant Matt Cavanaugh. He was on a one-year deal. He will not return. They were happy with what he did, but they're kind of going in a different direction. John Beck, 
will not be back as part of the Jets. He will continue to be uh, Zach Wilson's private coach, though. So that kind of works it out because Zach can keep working out with him in the offseason. Um, so he will not be back as well. Um, and then Rob Calabrese, quarterback coach, taking on more responsibility. Is that fair to say? And then they're going to be hiring somebody new. So I guess just kind of wrap up what all these changes mean and and has this been kind of a plan all along? Yeah, uh, real quick before we get there, because I just forgot to make um, this point on on the other side. It's just real quick. Is that uh, I, I do want it to, to say to Jet fans, like, um, the one thing you want to feel confident about is the staff that you guys have, because I ha- I heard several times down here from different people. I heard from another GM. I heard from another director of uh, player personnel. I heard from a scout and two agents. Uh, to one point, like the last three, when I heard it twice from two different people, then I started asking people about it. Like, did you hear this too? Did you think this too? And it was repeated over and over and over again. Solid staff were praised relentlessly for the way in which they ran their practice, like the way that they conducted it, the way that they went through it. I mean, it it was universal. And a comparison was to Dan Campbell's Lions practices. I mean, the one line, the one quote that I got was that, I never thought I'd say this, God, I wish the Jets ran both practices. And it was, if you looked at it, I mean, the way that the Jets conducted this, and, and even though, you know, it was handed over to, you know, Calgary was the offensive coordinator and, and you had guys stepping in at, at the uh, assistant positional coaches were really running the positional meetings and, and the head positional coaches were now just kind of providing color commentary during those meetings. Like despite all that, watching practice, it was no different than, uh, uh, I wrote about this in the notebook. If you guys want more, just significantly more details there, it's up on the athletic now if you want to read about it. But, you know, the way the Jets ran the practice was, just like they would their training camp and just like they would their regular season. I mean, what they wanted to do was give these guys a simulated game week. And it was with their defensive scheme and their offensive scheme. It was uh, watered down some because they didn't want to overwhelm these guys. They wanted to find that perfect balance of challenging them, but not overwhelming them. I think they did that because they wanted to see how they could retain information. But this was Michael Flores' offense, and this was Robert Sala and Jeff Holbrook's defense. And they gave it to those guys the way they would install the game week. So Monday in meetings was an install. Then you went Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, a practice rep, practice rep, practice rep review. And then they have their day off Friday, and now game day is, is Saturday. So it was a simulated game week. From what I – the Jets held access on Wednesday, uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. That well, Thursday was close to the media. But on Tuesday, Wednesday, they held access during the practice. So I didn't personally get a chance to see Dan Campbell's practices. So I can't say, like, specifics, like, oh, they were doing this. This is why it was so bad. All I can tell you is that they were – I had one, one, uh, one, uh, one stores tell me I was sitting there and I had no idea what the Lions were doing. One, one other guy said he was like, sometimes you wonder, sometimes you wonder why teams are bad. I don't worry. I don't wonder that about Detroit anymore. And it's like, holy hell. Like, so it was apparently like pretty rough over there. Like it, it, like there was, you couldn't make sense of what they were doing. And then you went, you watched the Jets staff and the way the Jets conducted practice and the way the Jets did their, did their business. And it was like, he, he, it was the perfect mix. I mean, it was an NFL practice preparing. So, you know, there are bad teams in the league and, and the Jets are a bad team in the league. But if you want to sign that you're headed in the right direction, and this is probably more of like a talent acquisition thing where they just need talent and they need players. I think that's one of them. When, you, when you're receiving praise from so many different people and so many different avenues and so many different ways, I think that uh, I think you get you, it's, a, it's a good sign. I mean, you can feel comfortable and, and happy with the staff that, that, you know, the Jets have built here and the coaching staff the Jets have built here. 
Um, regarding that quarterback room, so I know people were were uh, were bugging out um, and and freaking out and and all that shit about like you know the the quarterback room and all that. With Kavanaugh, it was always a one year thing. It, it was never going to be more than a year with him. You know the 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 Robert Sala is the first year head coach, right? But there are so many people on this roster that are just very very young. But aside from being very 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 young. They are very, very inexperienced. I mean, Michael Floor, first time as an offensive coordinator. Bob Calabrese, first time as a quarterback's coach. I mean, that's the case for so many others in so many different rooms. There's very little experience on this staff. So when Greg Knapp, what Greg Knapp was supposed to be was that like sounding board for everyone who has not been there, done that. You know what I mean? Like he can provide that experience. He can keep the ship settled. He can help all, not only just develop the players, but he can help develop the other staff and, and the coaches there as well. When he tragically passed away, the Jets had to find that replacement. And, and Kavanaugh was that guy. It was a one-year deal that he signed. His contract's going to expire and he won't get back. But what he did last year was exactly that. Like He, he was the sounding board. He was the veteran presence. He helped Rob Calabrese get ready to be a quarterback's coach. He helped Mike LaFleur in being an offensive coordinator. And now the Jets are ready to say, okay, thank you, Matt. Now we need to let our guys shine. So it's going to be just Michael Floor and Rob Calabrese. Those are going to be the two guys and the only two guys that are really talking and working with Zach. And then they're going to add a quality control coach who is going to be, you know, kind of another developmental project. So when LaFleur theoretically gets his uh, head coaching job and Rob Calabrese replaces him as the Jets offense coordinator, this quality control coach then steps up as the quarterback's coach. And you create like this little lineage, the hopeful lineage and, and, and uh, developmental process that the Jets are going to have in the quarterback room. That's what they're trying to do. They're not going to go add now another veteran coach. No, it's going to be Calabres takes on a much larger role. Uh, Michael Floor takes on, obviously, the role that he's had, and then they're going to look at a quality control coach. When it comes to Beck, and I know everyone was freaking bugging out over this, the reason why the Jets added him to their staff last year was not because they wanted to have him as their quarterback's coach. They didn't add him to their staff because they wanted him there every single day. They didn't view him as their long-term answer on this staff. They wanted to give him a behind the curtains look at their scheme. They wanted to give they didn't want him to have to do his own film study to help Zach. They didn't want Zach to have to tell him this is what they're telling me to do. How do I get better? They want they saw this as a rare opportunity to take Zach's private quarterback coach, bring him in here and see what they specifically want in their scheme, what they specifically want Zach to do, what they think Zach struggles with that they want him to get better at. So now when John goes back to his private quarterback practice and Zach goes back to work out with him when he's on the West Coast. He now has a much better understanding of what the Jets want to do, what the Jets are trying to do, and what the Jets are looking for Zach Wilson to do. And he'll be better off aiding him. This was, and that's exactly what they did. So he got that behind the curtains look, and now he went back. He's not going to be back on the staff. The Jets never wanted him to be back on the staff. They haven't completely closed the door, but from what I've heard, it's like, no, 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 he's going back to his private practice. And I'll be honest with you guys, I know people were like, oh, why, why, why? Even if the Jets genuinely wanted him back, like even if the Jets were like, John, please come back and coach with us again. John Beck's not going to want to do that. Like, I don't think people realize how cushy of a job he has right now. That guy is getting so much money to just privately coach quarterbacks in California. He doesn't have to go into team meetings. He doesn't have to be up at 5 a.m. to be at the facility. He doesn't have to deal with the constant worry of getting fired by the owner and being ushered out and having to break down film after every single – no. He's out there on the West Coast training quarterbacks getting one to $2 million a year. He's getting like, I, from what I heard, because I talked to another quarterback's coach, it wasn't, I didn't see John down here. I talked to another quarterback's coach and I was like, dude, I was like, he's got to be making a shit ton of money. He goes, you want to know how much he's making? I was like, sure, tell me. 
He goes, he's making between 1.5 and $2 million a year to just sit on the West Coast wow. and train quarterbacks. And I was wow. like, yeah, I would much rather do that than come make a couple hundred thousand dollars coaching the Jets because quarterback coaches don't make millions of dollars. Offensive coordinators just crack into seven figures. Like, quarter, like positional coaches don't make that much money. Like, it's not like players. Like, they don't make that much money. So he's making triple what he would make with the Jets to just train quarterbacks with no worry, like no worry of getting fired by a team. So, no, this was never, he was never coming back. He didn't want to come back. The Jets didn't really want him back. They wanted to start their own lineage of their quarterback coach. They wanted to start their own thing. And that's exactly what they're going to do. I know there was like this, this like thing circulating online because I had it DM'd and like tweeted to me. And it was like, no, no, no. The Jets aren't saying they're hiring him now. So that way Zach can train with him in the offseason and then he can come back in like September again and then you get the best of both worlds. The NFL would nip that in the bud so guys right. quick. I talked to two people down here, but I was like, is that there's no merit to that? And I literally was laughed at. And he's like, that's quite a conspiracy theory, Connor. Like, no, that is not the case in any way, shape, or form. So no, that that, that was never true. That was never the case. I don't know how that it's a creativity A plus, but no, that's that's not how the, the real world works here with the uh, with the NFL. Imagine he signed nine year contracts every year, a uh, nine month contracts every year with the Jets, and then just went back to yeah. in the summer. Double, double, double dipping with uh, with money too. All right, the other big news uh, from the Jets this week was brought on by themselves. Uh, the comments by Salah down in Mobile. Uh, you were there, Connor, talking about Makai Becton. He said, basically, he called him out. He said he has to come in and reassert himself into the starting lineup. Basically, saying that it is not his job the left tackle position that George Fant right now has kind of controlled that position after playing it all season. And Makai Becton is going to have to come in and win it back. Um, and I guess win any position in that starting lineup back after playing part of one game in 2021. Um, obviously this is a motivational tactic, but how real is it? I mean, do you think that Fant is the front runner to be the left tackle, depending on what they do in the draft? Um, I don't know. Am I still breaking up? I, know I just saw your guys' messages here. I told you, like, hotel Wi-Fi stinks. I don't know how I'm, how I'm doing here. You're uh, you're, you're okay now. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it was it was I'm a little rough earlier. So you stick, yeah, you stay close. This is a shame. I like my answer to the last question. Um, <laughs> hopefully, you got enough of it. Um, no, like, fans right now, the starting left tackle. Like, that's that's what I've heard. Like, George Fan is the starting left tackle, and Makai Beckton has to earn his starting left tackle job back. The Jets really love Makai's ups or uh, fans' upside. They believe that Fant has the chance to really be a very, very good player. They know that he hasn't played that much offensive line. So while he is 30 years old, he has the experience and snaps of like a 23-year-old. So he's still getting better, still getting improving. And they saw signs this year of, of the player's ability to be a legitimate big-time player. And considering what he did, the way he fights through injuries, his versatility, the way that he's a leader in that locker room. Remember, he was a captain last year. The way that guys look towards him for advice, Salah loves him. Douglas loves him. Like they view this guy as like a real big time player. And they're not just going to strip him of his starting left tackle job, left tackle job. They feel that he earned because Makai Becton's back. Makai Becton hasn't done anything to earn the starting left tackle job. He had an okay rookie year. He was okay as a rookie. He wasn't great. He had some highlight plays, but he was he was an okay left tackle as a rookie. He then showed up over out of shape. Got hurt, showed back even more out of shape, was absolutely awful, getting beat like a drum by Carl Lawson every single day throughout training camp, then gets hurt with a six to eight week injury and never comes back. Like, I don't, I can't say correctly, like, I, there are things I can't, things I was 
talked to and, and know off the record that I can't say here, but like there's a there's an annoyed an annoyance within the building about Makai and a get your shit together opinion or we're going to move on like not this year. They're not going to cut him, but like this is year three. This is year three for him. He needs to get it together. And if he doesn't get it together in year three, the Jets are moving on from and they're looking for a left tackle. And I'll be honest with you, based off what I, I from my understanding, they're still looking at offensive tackles in this year's draft. And if they find one and they draft one in the first round, whether it's Penny or somebody else, it is there is a completely real situation where the player that they draft, maybe it's Evan Neal, maybe it's someone else, is your starting left tackle. Makai Becton and George Fant are competing for that right tackle spot. And if Fant beats him out, Makai Becton's not even starting for the Jets next year. Remember, he wasn't drafted by Robert Sala. He was drafted by Adam Gase and and uh, and and Douglas. The new scheme, the new system, all that stuff. He has to prove himself over to this coaching staff. And this coaching staff, based off of how he's tried to prove himself, hasn't been overly impressed. So he needs to show up and get his job back because right now it's not his. The, the, like Salah said, open competition, open competition. Yeah, it's an open competition in terms of like Makai can win the job. But it's not his job right now. The job is George Fant's. And then if Fant loses it, then Makai Becton is your starter. That's the way the Jets are going into this. And good for them. I mean, they're, they're trying to send a message. And, and I don't think they sent it completely after the season. And Robert Salah, I know, was, was kind of like, you know, I wish I kind of said more. It was, you know, there's so many things to talk about on Baggy Day. We just didn't get to it. This was his opportunity to, to send a message to Makai. And if this doesn't light a fire under his ass, nothing will. Because you literally just, I mean, he was the the walk-in starting left tackle as a rookie, walk-in starting left tackle in year two, and now he's going into year three, and they're saying, you got to earn it. I mean, you should, again, he showed up out of shape to OTAs and hurt his foot. Like, immediately. Big man out of shape hurts his foot. Then he misses all of OTAs in minicamp, shows up to training camp because he was injured, is now more out of shape. Gets his ass beat every single day in training camp, finally gets back into shape towards, like, when the regular season is about to begin, then gets hurt, and then never comes back in six to eight weeks. Like six to eight-week injury, and he sat out every – he never even returned to practice. He never did individual drills. The only thing I ever saw him do was in the rehab area was like light sprints and high knees. That's it. And it was painful to watch. Like it was painful to watch that. Do you want to demonstrate for for the audience? No, no, because my – I got like my shoes yet. But like – They won't be able to see you when you're I'm keeping my – I'm keeping my Joe, my Joe, uh, Joe Burrow finger guns up there because he hasn't lost since uh, since I put that one up there, and that'd be a juicy money line to hit. Um, but like with Becton, it's it's now it's like okay, now it's now it's go time. Like I know he hired his personal trainer. From what I understand, like when he was told this all during his exit meetings, he took it well. Like he's like 100%. Let's go. I'm ready. 100%. I'm gonna come back in the best shape. But like there's a difference between saying and doing. He's always had a great attitude. Like he's never, he's not that kind of a person. Like he's not like you have any worries about his attitude. Like he's a, a bubbly person. Everyone likes him in the building as far as the person, but the player now needs to get better. The player needs to match that. And he hasn't to this point. And the Jets put him on notice. And they that was absolutely what this was. They put him on notice. And now it's how you're going to respond. Like they, they want to know that, like they wanted him to know that everyone in the world isn't just handing stuff to big, big ticket anymore. Like I think that Beckton don't think I know that when that rookie season happened and Beckham was getting all that attention from Brian Baldinger with the clips and like the highlights and all that stuff, like it inflated his ego a little bit. I mean, he got this, uh, this opinion of like, I've made it. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm in pro bowl contention. I'm good. I got this. And now the jets are like, no, you need to be brought down a peg. You haven't accomplished anything. And George now has, he showed him with him. People show they flow with him. He's our starting little tackle. You need to go take it from him. 
And it's going to be, look, if Makai plays better in camp, it'll be his job. But first day of OTAs, it's going to be at left tackle. I'm curious who's going to be at right. That's what I'm curious about. So we'll see. Yeah, it's going to be one of the fun things to watch uh, once we get to training camp. All right, the fun thing to watch in a week is obviously the Super Bowl. And believe it or not, our picks competition is coming down to the Super Bowl for the second straight year. Uh, last year, you may remember, Tom Brady delivered me the crown of our picks for the year competition. I am out of it this year. Deep, deep, way back. But Marissa is 30 and 27 on the season. Connor, 29. 27 and one a half game separating them. We'll make sure they pick different teams. Um, we're not going to make no, a pick right now I, because we, have, I, we, we have need a week to blindly to submit them to Tim. This is Blind no like submission. Connor gets to see my pick. No, Blind maybe a Twitter poll. Yeah, no, we yeah, need to submit yes. them to Tim and then Tim reveals. I, well, last week I told Marissa, I just met opposite Marissa. I was like, I, I needed to close the gap. So I was like, whatever Marissa picks, I'll just take the opposite. And it works. Yeah, but I don't and think I that's fair. And I think the chat would totally agree with me that that's not fair. They're going to so, agree with you because they like you more than me. That's why they're going to agree well, that's, with that's that's both, that's I think like, it's both things, actually. Like when we used to do, like, that's why uh, before a certain thing happened, we used to do uh, when, when there would be debates in the uh, media room about like things that we had to do, we would always, uh, when certain someone would be angry about the things not going his way, we always used to say, let's just put it to a vote. Just put it to a vote. And I don't care what that vote was. No one was voting on his side. So it was like, just, it didn't matter. It could have been like, yeah, take our lunch for less than an hour. We were voting on the other angle. So yeah, that's, uh, I know. Like, that, that's I love how it's like he, he who shall not be named, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> you tell these yeah. stories. I don't feel like it. Cracks me up. Yeah. I don't feel like getting sued. Yeah. Fair we'll blame enough. it on the bad Wi-Fi. Um, so yeah, I I believe that we should blindly submit our picks to Tim um Saturday night before Super Bowl Sunday and may the best woman or man win. Actually, it probably has to be it's going to be Friday so that Friday. I can uh, okay. so I can make, make up the the slate okay. for Twitter and not Got have it. to do it on a Saturday. Okay. <laughs> That'll do it for this episode of Can't Wait. Uh, we're off next week. We are back the week after that, I believe. Is that the right schedule, Marissa? Yes. Okay. Uh, we'll talk to you again then. Thanks for tuning in. Can't wait.